from their studio in the Feeding Arizona building in Youngtown, Arizona, it's the Boomer and the Babe Show with Pete Peters and Deborah Brown. Join Pete and Deborah and their guests as they give voice to 78 million baby boomers from coast to coast and border to border. Now here are the Boomer and the Babe, Pete Peters and Deborah Brown. And indeed, it is the Boomer and the Babe Show. It is morning on the West Coast, afternoon on the East Coast, and it's almost uh, dead noon. It's 11 o'clock in Arizona, where we're broadcasting from. Uh, this is the Boomer and the Babe Show. As I mentioned, we invite everybody to go to our website, which is boomerandthebabe.com, sign up for our mailing list, and get our um, newsletter, or actually our online magazine that we send out uh, every four to six weeks. Absolutely free. comes to your inbox, and we hope you enjoy it. A lot of the articles in there are written by people that have been on our past shows, and they've made contributions to the publication. Uh, with all that having been said, I want to get into the conversation we have with our, our guest today. Uh, our guest is Dr. Gail Carson, uh, and she her, she's got a lot of initials after her name. One is CSP, one is CMC, and then she has SOB. Now, I want to know what SOB is all about. Actually, I know what SOB is about. Welcome to the show, Dr. Gail Carson. How are you today? I am terrific, Pete. How are you? Ah, wonderful. I'm wonderful. Thank you very much for taking the time to be with us. We appreciate that, especially a day before Thanksgiving. And in talking to you before the show, I know you've got a lot of preparations you're going to be doing for, for your household or your house house guests that are coming in for tomorrow. That's uh, true, but I have a lot of help, so I got I have to be thankful for that. <laughs> well, absolutely. That's that's great. One of the first things that uh, I, I look at when I look at your website, it says, uh, Welcome to Living Regret-Free. And it says it's your goal that each and every one of us finds a life that we are looking for and deserves. And you'd like to think, uh, uh, help us in, in finding it and help readers to find that. And, and then the also on the headline, it says, Learn Why People Call Me spunky old broad uh, <laughs> a, a, a different uh, a different thought for SOB uh, other times people think of it as something else but let's stay with spunky old broad uh, how is it that you got to have the name spunky old broad well it, it was kind of uh, thrust upon me in a way I, I was in the back of the room watching another speaker listening to another speaker and um, we were kind of chatting and we were not doing as quietly as we should have been doing it. And um, somebody says something, and I said, well, that's just because we're a bunch of SOBs, spunky old broads. And that kind of stuck with me because I really am a spunky old broad, and I really do a lot of things that I probably um, find most people would find unusual at my age. But truthfully, um, I really am a spunky old broad, and uh, it's kind of stuck, and people like it. And uh, I guess if they don't like it, Pete, they're not in my... my, uh, Group of followers. There you go. <laughs> like there <that>. you go. <laughs> well, if they don't like it, it's their problem, not yours, right? That's right. <laughs> that's uh, that's kind of the way I feel about things sometimes too. Well, you know, <laughs> that, that's your problem. Deal with it. You know, I'm not. All <laughs> right. I am. I am who I am, and that's all that I am. Isn't that a Popeye the Sailor thing? That's right. <laughs> I am what I am, and that's all that I am, or something, something along those lines. Anyhow. <laughs> so anyhow, now you are a certified. Uh, a certified speaking professional, a certified management consultant, and, of course, SOB. Um, and you have doctor in front of your name. What is your doctorate in? My doctorate is in education, a VOTEC. 
And uh, at the time that I was going for my doctorate, I had a, actually had a chain of seven career schools. So it was appropriate at the time. And by the time I finished my degree, I had sold them. I had had them for 21 years, and um, opportunity came along, and I sold them. And so I, but I continued with my degree. And uh, interestingly enough, I now serve on the ambassadors board for the University of Nova Southeastern, where I got my degree. And uh, so I've become very involved with them. Very nice. Now, you on your website, as I look at it, I'm just I'm just amazed at some of the things I see. You have a a thing here for over fifty dating advice. Yes, uh, I do. Uh, I have a I have a CD program, a seven CDs, and it talks about what it's like to date after fifty. And we go into internet dating. We go into um, uh, basically. Um, well, you, I even have a divorce lawyer on there, but we also have a dating cafe. We have uh, uh, what it's like to lose a spouse. I have a widow who, who comments on that. I mean, it's a broad range from, from A to Z, and it's a very interesting program. Uh, you mentioned Internet dating. It's it's funny. I just went this morning before I was, uh, came on the air, and I picked up uh, from the lo- a, a local printer I picked up 50 more copies of a book that Deborah helped uh, the author write uh, about internet dating. Uh, he's he's my age almost exactly. We're we're both 65 and uh, uh, leading edge boomers. And he wrote this book about internet dating, and it's 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 pretty funny actually in places. You know things like uh, don't lie about your age and don't take pictures of you with your pet and. Well, you know, I would, I would, uh, I would ditto the first and not ditto the second. I mean, uh, the the expert that I have is an uh, internet dating expert as well, who I interview on on the CDs, and and she really has some interesting uh, tales to tell. And you are absolutely right. I mean, it's almost like there is a TV commercial now. Uh, you've probably seen it that talks about uh, you know everything on the inter- internet is true. And uh, she said, yes, I'm dating a French model, and this horrible-looking guy comes up, and he <laughs> says, uh, uh, bonjour, like that. And, just, and she says, see, you know. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. But I would say that I think taking a photograph with your pet, your dog, or your cat, or whatever, is very important, because I'm, I happen to be a pet fanatic, and if I were to meet somebody who didn't like animals, um, that would be a turn-off right away. So I think someone that has a pet, you know, um, I think that should be shown because it shows that they're caring and they uh, have affection for some, some somebody other than themselves. Let's put it like that. Well, I, I do agree with that portion, but I think I think, with, I think what Jim was saying in this particular instance is uh, it should certainly be disclosed in the course of, uh, uh, of, of discussion and, and, and so on, but... Uh, that's it may not he just he just they had this thing about this woman I think it was a case where she uh she had pictures of her and her pets and it turned out that her pets were over and above and beyond anything else including relationships so <laughs> i think I think he was kind of put off by that and and it was kind of like, well, you tell me about your pet, I got a dog too, but I don't take my picture with him put him on the internet <laughs> well, <laughs> it's internet funny, book. you know because I'm going through things now. Uh, trying to straighten things up and, you know, give away certain things. And as I'm going through pictures, practically every single picture that I have, especially with my mom in it, uh, she always was holding uh, one of our dogs. And uh, I look at my pictures, and they're all either holding a dog or a cat. And um, 
you know, it's true. I mean, if you're crazy about your animals, you are crazy about them. Yeah, we we just have trouble putting our 65-pound boxer on our laps. Oh, um, wow, yes, <laughs> yes. But at any rate, um, back to what you, back to some of the things that uh, that you've been involved in and are still in involved in. Uh, you have your your doctorate uh, from what was the college again? Nova, uh, Nova Southeastern University. Oh, okay. And uh, I'm not trying to date you, but how long ago did you have? Did you get that? Well, I actually started it. Uh, we had uh, five and a, five to seven years to complete it, and I did a combination master's and doctoral program, and so I started it in, I think, 76, and I finished it in um, 82, so I got my degree actually in 1982. Very nice, very nice, and uh, then you sold the business you were involved in that that was directly related to. Yes, uh, well, I had the career schools, and I also had a talent agency. Uh, We were SAG and AFTRA, although they're together now as one union, but then they were separate, and I had a convention service company, so I had 350 people that I managed, and um, it was quite an operation. I mean, it was, uh, it was seven days a week, but I loved every minute of it. And, yeah, and then the opportunity came to do something else, and I put it up for sale, and believe it or not, it was sold over a weekend. I wow. mean, it was a really good business, and um, so uh, someone bought it, and unfortunately didn't keep it going, but, uh, uh, yeah, that's exactly what happened. Well, that's a shame that something you've uh, put your uh, energies and heart and soul into all of a sudden uh, people, even though they purchased it for probably a, a pretty fair price, uh, were unable to or decided not to do whatever it took to keep it. Uh, well, you know something, Pete? It's like uh, I think any other business, a big business even, um, they, for instance, they saw me, a, a person, uh, one person doing all of this, and they figured with their strength and their knowledge they could come in and make it really something much bigger. But then they changed everything that made it what it was. And so it just didn't last. And I think that happens with a lot of companies. Even when, when giant corporations buy other giant corporations or even smaller companies, they change the, all the processes and, and the people and what made it what it was, and it just never is the same, and many of them sell them off again. Well, uh, let, let's talk about that just for a, a minute or two. Uh, when when the company was sold, and you say they changed it, by virtue of the fact that you weren't there, changed it. By well, that's of, true. But, I mean, many of the things that we did, which were kind of homespun, but, I mean, it made the business run, they, they really structured everything. And although I believe in structure and I believe in systems, I think they're both important, you still have to have, a little bit of humanity in there as well. <laughs> so, exactly. You know, so that that makes a big difference. Well, I think that was my point in saying that is that whatever you brought to the table, which was all the um, the fact that you were hands on, that it, that it was your baby, so to speak, that you knew where all the bones were buried, if there were any, with regard to uh, operational glitches and and things of those natures. You had been able to overcome those by the sheer uh, force of your nature and your personality. And then that was gone from the thing. So the only thing they had to fall back on was the structure and the regimentation, and obviously it, it didn't work. Absolutely. You're right on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can I can see that now. Uh, now, some of the other things you've been involved in, why don't we kind of go through some of the other things that, that you've been involved in. You, and one of them is a major 
a major uh, portion of your uh, your history is that you had uh, you over you have uh, uh, you're a cancer survivor. Yes, I'm a three-time cancer survivor. Actually, three times. Um, wow. Yeah. So, I my first case was back in '87, and my second case was in '88, and then it appeared on the scene again in uh, 2004. So uh, there was a long time in between, and I've had 16 surgeries. But, um, you know, I'm here, and that's the most important thing. And I was very, very fortunate. I mean, even though I went through chemo and I've gone through radiation uh, twice, actually the second time I had to go twice a day for radiation. So I've, I've been through a lot. But I never got sick. I never, ever got sick. And I think it's because, um, now this is my own personal opinion, but I think it's because mentally I'm extremely strong and physically I'm strong. I continued to work out even through um, chemo, and I also <laughs> I also had my bunions removed during all of this. Uh, and, and I said to the doctor, are you sure I can handle this? And he says, look, the mere fact you're asking me is proof that you're going to do it. So while I was going through chemo, I had my bunions removed, and... Um, you know, I just never, ever got sick, and I was back on my feet driving within two weeks of having my bunions removed. So I've just been very, very fortunate uh, in how I've reacted to everything, and I, I, that's why I'm, I'm such a proponent of um, uh, living regret-free, because if you live your life a certain way and you do certain things, as you age, of course, it gets more difficult, but if you continue to practice the things I talk about, it's going to be such a better life for yourself than it would be otherwise. Well, we've had people on. Uh, I've had people on the show. Deborah's been involved with interviewing interviewing some folks uh, on the show with me uh, that are proponents of uh, a positive mental approach uh, of, of the the mind being uh, very much involved in whatever whatever it is that uh, that you have in your life, positive, overcoming negative, overcoming illness. Uh, and it's not a question, a, a case of just ignoring it. It's a case of facing it, dealing with it, and having the, the mindset that uh, I'm gonna, we're going to whip this thing. Well, it's true. You know, I mean, um, I'm a big proponent of positive thinking. And, of course, a lot of that has to do not only with yourself, but the people you surround yourself with. So many of right. us have people who are always telling us it won't work or we've tried that or who do you think you are or any of those things. But unfortunately, for many of us, it's uh, people in our own family. So it's sometimes hard to distance yourself from it, but we know through stress studies that five minutes of negative thinking takes the body 24 hours to recover from. And just think if you get up every day and you've got someone around you who is telling you why everything won't work or why uh, something horrible is going to happen, and, and you have to live with that, and it's very, very difficult. So that's one of the reasons why I try to show people how to either eliminate these people from your life if they're friends, um, spend less time with them if they're family, and um, really just kind of tune out what it is they have to say. You're not going to change them. You can only change how you respond to all of this. So I think that's really, really important. Well, if you can't if you can't eliminate the toxicity, you can certainly try to control the effect of the toxicity. Exactly. Exactly right. 
Uh, you mentioned as we were uh, getting involved in uh, having a little discussion prior to going on air, uh, something about your nine steps. Oh, yes, I have a wonderful new program called Healthy, Wealthy, and Fabulous, The Nine Secrets to Living Regret-Free and Feeling Alive at Any Age. And I have these nine uh, processes that I go through. In fact, it's quite a deep program. It's 10 CDs, and it's a book, and an action guide, and transcripts. And it's really a wonderful program. But basically, if people practice these nine secrets, it's amazing how their life will change and how much better they will feel and how much more will come into their life. So it's uh, it's a really it's, and it's it's an easy program once you accept the philosophy of it. Is it one of those things? That, and I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you right now. I'm gonna ask you to divulge some of your secrets. Uh, <laughs> but it's just between be between you and I, and nobody else will hear. Uh, but uh, is it is it the case uh, that it takes a certain length of time? for people to become fully adapted uh, adopted to or by these nine steps, and it, it does take practice? Well, for example, I mean, the, the history says that it takes 21 consecutive days to form a habit. Now, yes. some people disagree with that. Some people say it takes 30 days. Some people say it can be accomplished in less than 21 days. I don't have a, a posture on that. But I would say that, you know, I think people start off with a good intention, and then when things become difficult, we kind of revert back to who we were, what we did, that was uh, uh, easier for us and also a habit before we're trying to implement these things. So I think it does take a certain amount of concentration and focus to be able to make a change in whatever it is you do. I mean, even driving home, uh, there might be three ways to get there, and you go one particular way, and you, you change it to another way one day, and then probably uh, that happens once or twice and you're back to your old ways again. So I do think it takes some practice, but it's certainly not impossible. Yeah, I, I, The last several uh, programs that I've done, and we've been talking to various people in, in some of these various areas that you and I are talking about now, but there's one word that has that has played into it, and uh, it was brought to light by a gentleman that was on uh, – on the air with me, his name is Burroughs, and he has a group or a, 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 a philosophy that he calls uh, intenders. These are people that actually gather together and they recite their intentions, and they have their intention uh, intender groups, and they have intention circles, and they espouse what their intentions are, and they repeat them, and they work with them in their mind, and these. He claims that the intentions, if if properly uh, properly spoken and, and properly realized and concentrated on, that they will come. The good intentions can come to fruition, and I think that was very interesting. And here again, you've mentioned the word intentions, and that well, I think you know. Yeah, I, I, oh, I'm sorry to interrupt, Pete. I, That's I okay. Just, no, you're I, fine. <laughs> well, I I mean, I think intentions are are important. And I think you do have an intention. I think it's important to, to say it, to process it in your mind. But there's one little step that is left out in that, and that is taking action. And you can spout things 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And if you don't do anything about it, nothing's going to happen. So that's the key. Implementation is the key. Taking action 
is the key. I mean, everything that you say is important mentally and emotionally and visually, but unless you take that first step, unless you really do something about it, nothing's going to change. That's absolutely amazing what you just said, and and coincidental because here again, this is something that is following through on many of the conversations I've had just recently. And as recently as yesterday, I was talking to a wonderful woman out of New York. Her name is Sarah Khanna, and she is a homeopath. And she is a lactation specialist and all kinds of things that she does. And she deals with small children, infants, mothers, uh, and uh, adults, uh, you know, teenagers, whatever, homeopathically with regard to what has your doctor said, and then now we might be able to take care of that in a in a homeopathic method, or so we're using some herb. She's also an herbalist, and I said this intentions thing that I had uh, had been brought to light with me, and she said the exact same thing. He says she said, but you have to go ahead and you have to act on it. You can't just say it. And that's I just think that's absolutely wonderful. And and the likeness I gave her was, <clears throat> excuse me, I said you can't be sitting on the shore waiting for your ship to come in, come, and you never send a boat out in the first place. Well, you know, there's a, another old story that goes along about uh, someone who is waiting, uh, keeps praying to God, keeps praying to God for all these things to to happen to him, and keeps praying, and all these things appear, and and the guy is waiting for this big sign. And he finally says, God, what's happened? You're not listening to me. I'm talking to you every day. And God says back, you know, I've sent you all these signs, but you haven't worked, acted on anything. You know, what do you want me to do? Just drop it on your head? So basically it's the same thing. I mean, there are a lot of opportunities that come people's ways, and yet they're either scared to try something new or to say yes or uh, anything else. It's like one of the things that I concentrate on with the women that I work with and the people that I work with is health and wellness. And it's very important on everybody's mind, health and wellness. When I did my focus groups and I did my surveys, health and wellness still comes out number one. But nobody wants to work for it. Uh, They want it to be in a magic pill. And they're not prepared to to do exercise. They're not prepared to watch their diet. They're not prepared to... to, uh, go for preventive screenings and things like that. Each of each of my cancers, all three of them were caught by a mammogram. And so if I hadn't gone for my mammogram, and the first one was at 49, uh, I never would have caught any of them in time. So, um, you know, people don't want to hear those things. They want, they want to be healthy. They want to be well. They want to look fantastic. But they're not prepared to do what it takes. I mean, I... And I don't expect anybody to do what I do, but I exercise anywhere from an hour and a half to two hours, seven days a week. And I am 74 years old, soon to be 75, and I continue to work out every single day. And I can tell you that that's what got me through everything. And if I didn't work out every day, I probably wouldn't be moving. And so it's very key that it just takes work to do these things, and that means taking action well no, nothing comes to those that uh, just sit around on the couch and eat bonbons <laughs> possibly heart disease in a fat can that's uh, right that's uh, right and and i i and when i when you talk about uh, 
positive thought and you talk about in good intentions and you talk about doing things about it. I mean, I, I know that I uh, we just recently acquired this newest this newest dog and I have taken it upon myself to, uh, although I have some issues that cause me to not feel like much uh, exercise and walking, I've taken it upon myself to walk. And I walk with her every morning. And we were just talking, Deborah and I were just talking this morning about the fact that maybe we should double the walks because the dog's gaining weight. I'm losing weight, but the dog's gaining weight. (laughs) (laughs) I I lost some weight, and I took her to the vet, and I waited this morning, and that's where it was. She had it all. Um, (laughs) I feel the same way. I have a little Yorkie. I just got her clipped for Thanksgiving, and um, uh, a guy came in right behind me, and he said, oh, is that a Yorkie? I said, yes, he said, she is the most beautiful Yorkie I've seen. I said, well, she is a beautiful little girl. I said, but I said, she's she's a little chow hound. I said, she's a little pudgy. He said, oh, he says, that's what makes her who she is. She looks wonderful, but she is a round little Yorkie, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, my, my point in saying what I was saying was the fact that uh, with with my with my health challenge that I've been fighting now for many for many years, actually, uh, my doctor is amazed that I haven't gotten into a therapeutic situation, and I just uh, and my numbers tell me that I should be in a therapeutic situation, and I'm not. And he keeps telling me, he says, "I don't know what you're doing." He says, "Just keep doing it." He says, "We don't have to do anything yet." And I go back every every uh, four to six weeks. He goes. Just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. And then when I start losing some weight, he says, just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. <laughs> well, and, you, know, uh, th- you talked about a therapeutic situation, and I do run into people, you know, when I give my talks. I do a lot of uh, talks for lifelong learning institutes and, and places like that. So I go to a lot of, well, they're called adult living, but most of the people are in their 70s, 80s, even 90s. And there are many people on walkers and so forth. But look at your paraplegic athletes. I mean, these people are in wheelchairs, but they are strong and they are athletic and they move. So there's all kinds of exercises that can be developed for people who may not be in as mobile a situation, for example, as I am. So uh, that's why I I insist that there are things that everybody can do, especially um, if people can even get into a pool because there's no weight there, so they can, you know, they can work their certain body parts without pressure. So, um, you know, everybody can do something unless they are totally wheelchair bound and a paraplegic. Then it makes it right. more difficult. But you know, uh, when I look at these athletes, I am amazed. I mean, they are in better shape than I am, and they are very strong and very. If you'll notice, most of them are very positive people. Oh, they are very positive people. There's no doubt about that, and that's what's probably what what saved them from their demise when they were injured, for instance, in on the battlefield or in a, uh, an accident or whatever the case might be. The the fact that they were positive in the first place and had the strength to to realize that that they could affect their their lifespan by being positive that. Uh, that they have been able to survive whatever it is and then progress to the point they are and keep and keep on going. Absolutely, I totally agree. 
Uh, now, as far as uh, some of the other things that uh, that you're involved in, uh, you say that as an example, you don't ever run out of energy. I mean, that's uh, that's wonderful. Uh, and then you also say that uh, you're you're not retired, and you, and you don't think apparently you don't think you're going to retire. So, uh, why don't you shed some light on uh, on some of that? Well, in, in terms of energy, um, I've always had a lot of energy, I, and I'm not sure why. My son says to me, Mom, you've got more energy than I do. I just, uh, I mean, traveling doesn't tire me out. I can change time zones like crazy. Nothing, I don't have jet lag. It's just none of that happens to me. But again, I think it's because of how I live my life. In other words, if you're happy and you're doing things positively and the things that you do are interesting and you're you're happy about what you do and where you do it and who you do it with, um, I think that all contributes to energy. Plus, on top of that, I mean, I, 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 as I say, even when I was going through chemo and radiation, I still had a tremendous amount of energy. I still, I would, for example, get up and, and go to radiation at 8 in the morning, and I would then go to the gym and work out, then I would come back, take a shower, eat my lunch, go back for my second uh, radiation treatment, and then I would finally get into my office until about... Oh, I would say about three o'clock because by the time all these things happened, and then I would work till nine at night, and uh, I just never got tired. So I think it's because of happiness. I think it's I think that has a lot to do with it, and that's one of the reasons I preach living regret free. Now, in terms of retirement, you're absolutely right. I mean, most people retire because they don't like what they've been doing, or they're forced to retire because the company has a policy of of an age. But if you love what you do and you're happy doing it, then there's absolutely no reason to retire. Now, a lot of people say, well, I want to retire because I want to do this and this and this and this. But I do all of those things anyway. In other words, I travel because of what I do. I mean, I I speak all over the – well, now I don't speak uh, as much globally because I've got all these animals, and since my husband passed away, I don't have anybody to take care of them. So I don't go abroad anymore. But I do go – I travel a lot, and um, I also – really enjoy the people that I surround myself with, and um, I'm, I'm a volunteer in a lot of organizations, I mean professional organizations, and I volunteer for a lot of them, the Institute of Management Consultants and Society of Association Executives and uh, on the board at Nova, you know, Southeastern. I mean, I do a lot of volunteer work, but I like what I do, so why would I stop doing it? I go to the theater when I want, I go to the movies when I want, I go out to dinner when I want. And I personally, by the way, if any of your listeners might be interested, I do many of these things by myself. I travel by myself. I go out to dinner by myself. I go to the movies by myself if there's a play I want to see. I mean, not that I wouldn't go with a friend. If I ask a friend and they want to go, that's fine. But sometimes they don't want to go. And it's easier for me to just pick up, go, get one ticket, and and see the play I want to see. So I do a lot of, um, of things by myself. And I'm happy with myself. I enjoy myself. And so um, it doesn't, I don't need people to make me happy. Well, it sounds as though you have a predisposition to being happy. And uh, I'm, if, if that is the case, I'm wondering uh, how that happened. Well, Where did it come from? <laughs> that's a good question. I think, you know, people say that you are, uh, you have the personality you're going to have uh, by, the age of three or five, and I was actually in my first dancing recital at the age of three. I was January. There were the 
12 months of the year, so I was first. And uh, it was, and I, I was in a skater's costume. I was going to the skater's waltz, and um, I did a somersault. And my crown fell off, and um, I put it on backwards, and everybody started to laugh. And uh, so I didn't know what was going on, but um, I told the piano player to stop, and so he stopped, and I'm looking at them, and finally he kind of made the motion that my, my crown was on backwards, so I turned it around, and, um, you know, I told him then to start playing again, and I went on with my dance, and I was three years old, and my mother said then, she said, I knew I would never have to worry about her. So even at that age, I mean, I was I was making up songs on the piano, and I was, I was um, you know, dancing around in the backyard with the sprinkler system on in the summer, uh, making up dances and uh, pretending I was on stage. And then when it was winter, I would be in the dining room um, singing and dancing to the uh, musicals. You know, they used to have the, the, the records, the 78 records of the Warner Brothers and the MGM movies and uh, 20th Century Fox musicals. And um, even as a kid, um, in my teens, I was a dancer with a partner, and I would go to the 25-cent movies on Saturday, the double features, but one was a musical, and I would sit there and write down all the dance steps, and then I would come back and I would choreograph a dance and teach it to my partner, and that's what we would do on stage. So I kind of have have always had this um, drive to do three, four, five things at one time. Even in, in high school, I kind of finished early so that um, I was done by noon, and then from noon to three, I'd go home and practice the piano, and then my partner would come over, and we'd practice dancing from three to six, you know, and then my mother would come home, and, and we'd have dinner, and then I did my homework at night. And in college, I went through in three years because it wasn't that difficult. So by the time my, my class graduated, I was already in Miami working um, getting ready to buy my first business, which I did by the age of 21. So um, it was just, uh, that's how I've always been. And I don't know where it came from. Maybe it was from the uh, family I grew up in. I mean, my sister's very accomplished. Different personalities, but very, very accomplished. And um, uh, I don't know, but my, my parents always expected the best from us. We were never expected to come home with the B's or the C's. We were never expected uh, not to do the things we should do. I could never go out with the second boy that asked me. I had to go out with the first boy that asked me whether I wanted to or not or stay home. Uh, but that's how I was raised. So I guess I've just never known anything else. Well, the way you were raised is, uh, I think, has a lot to do with uh, the way people are. And I and I can see that I've got uh, two beautiful granddaughters, one six and one three, and some of the things that you were just explaining with regard to the dancing and the singing and uh, the, the for the most part being happy. I mean, they get their kids. I mean, they still every now and then they get irritable and tired. But I'm talking I'm talking about day to day day to day activities. Uh, uh, there's a time that they came over here to spend uh, some time with us and. Uh, and they came with their little things, that the little trinkets and whatever, and they decided, the two of them, the three-year-old and the six-year-old, that they were going to put on a dance recital. They were going to do it. And they got this thing all set up. They set up the living room, and, and they were doing their pirouettes, and they were doing their 
various dance steps that I don't even remember what they are right now, but they explained them and they knew what they were. And the six-year-old is doing it, and the three-year-old's right behind Big Sister, and and they're doing. It was amazing. It was just amazing, and they were happy, and they they singing their songs, and they're doing whatever. And I just go, wow, this is really cool. Now, that having been said. They're being raised that way. They're being exposed, and I'm I'm going to suggest that maybe that's what happened with you. Your parents exposed you to a myriad of different stimulus: uh, dancing, music, athletics, possibly uh, just knowing more about history and nature by going to museums and things like that. And that's what's happening to my granddaughters. And that's wonderful because um, I think a lot of that is being lost today. And uh, with everybody buried in their iPhone, <laughs> kids included, you know, I always laugh about the people who, who walk into holes and walk into trees and walk into poles because they're so busy looking at their iPhones. But um, I think the the ability to communicate and talk and, and, and speak to one another is so important. I mean, I think communication skills is one of the things that needs to be taught in every high school and, and grammar school and college because people don't know how to do it anymore. I mean, kids text each other across the room. I mean, they don't talk to each other. They they text each other, which I think is so bizarre. Well, it, it, it's it's funny you mentioned talking. That's one thing that Deborah does with, with the girls when, when she's around them, especially when if they happen to be here with just us. She always tries to teach them some, a new word. And it's not a word like cat and dog. I mean, it's it's a. I think the one of the things that she taught them was uh, um, attractive, and uh, and and they, she also taught them to be um, sarcastic. And uh, she says, now I can send them home because I've taught them what sarcasm sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> and so so uh, so she combined the two. And the little one was saying, Grandma Deb, your mouth is particularly attractive. <laughs> oh, that's, that's adorable coming out of a three-year-old's mouth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but she didn't say attractive. She said affractive. Oh. <laughs> your mouth is very attractive. <laughs> so, but, I mean, the point is, here's a three-year-old picking these things up. That's with, right. Uh, and right. talking about cell phones. My, my daughter... Uh, put us on the cell phone FaceTime so that I could watch my three-year-old reading books. Now, she had memorized the books at this point, but she knew every word that was on every page. So when my daughter turned the page, she said every word that was on that page. Now, she was following along as she was you understand what I'm saying? She was Absolutely. following along the words. She was following along the words, and then she would come to a word and she would kind of not remember it or it stumped her and, and her mother would start to say the words, oh, yeah, okay, and then she would go on and she would read it. Now, the other one, the six-year-old, by the way, in first grade is reading at a three-year-old at a, th- a third-grade level. And, and it's all because of the way they were exposed and what the t- the parents are expecting of them and what they're exposing them to. That's and, true. And, and luckily, evidently, um, you know, I mean, your daughter has the time to spend with them, unfortunately, in many situations. Yes, she does. You yes, know, in does. many situations, I mean, it's very hard both parents are working, or especially if it's a single-parent household, it's very difficult. Sometimes a, a, a mother or even a father has to work two jobs, you know, so it's it's not easy. But any time you can spend uh, working with 
your kids and and exposing them to whatever it is and even taking them them with you. I, listen, I remember when I I used to do a lot of uh, telemarketing for my school, selling courses. And I didn't think I had a script. I mean, as far as I was concerned, every time I got on with a prospective student, I was I was saying something new and innovative, you know, to me because I was so passionate about it. And then I got my son. He was three years old at the time. I got him a toy telephone because he used to like to be in the room with me when I did this. And he got on the phone and he said, "Hi, I'm Gail Carson." And I and he went through my entire thing. And I thought, "Oh my gosh, I've got a script." And I didn't even know it, but he had mm-hmm. picked all of that up just by listening to me. So right. it's true. <laughs> yes, and she's she's very fortunate. The family is very fortunate that her husband has a very nice job, uh, and she can stay home and be a stay-at-home mom and domestic engineer and whatever else she wants to call it. Even though she's got her interior design degree, uh, she's uh, decided that they've decided that she's going to raise those girls. That's wonderful. And, uh, and she's very fortunate indeed in being able to do that. So um, she keeps saying every now and then she posts on her Facebook page, "I'm living my dream. I'm living my dream life." And uh, and and that's that's nice because a lot of people don't have that opportunity. Absolutely, absolutely true. And it's and it's nice that she recognizes it too. That's, that's I'm, right. I'm very proud of her for that. Let's go back to uh let's go back to my trying to get some information, some secret information from you now. <laughs> uh I told you I would be hoping that you'd be giving me a couple or giving yeah, just me, because nobody like I say, nobody ever listens <laughs> to this show. Um give me a one or two or maybe even three of your nine secrets for feeling alive and living regret free. Well, the first one we've kind of talked about and that is what I call um the SOB attitude and spirit. And of course, the attitude is the 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 your particular feeling towards whatever you approach in life. I've already talked about the five minutes of negative thinking, but it's also really, really important to always think positively because of the of the energy drain and the aura that you bring out about you. And the spirit part of it is what people pick up on when you walk into a room. It's it's what they think of you when you open your mouth. It's it's um, the, the image they get of you when you walk into a room. Do you walk in with vitality and excitement and and enthusiasm? And do you speak with with the same excitement and enthusiasm? So all of that has to do with, with um, mindset and attitude and spirit. So that's number one. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it, but basically how do you wake up in the morning? Do you wake up with a, a grudge or do you wake up with a smile on your face? And that really is the the secret number one and that kind of sets the tone for the rest of the day and for all of the other secrets so that that would be one and we also kind of talked about another one which is being fit and fabulous and when we talk about being fit and fabulous um it means feeling good about uh how you are uh whatever the 18 hours of the day that you are up on i mean those are the things that are important you can certainly um uh, as I say, it could be yoga that you like or Pilates or it could be swimming or walking or biking or it could be, you know, the more active things, for example, that I do like kickboxing and step aerobics and strength training and all of that. But it doesn't matter what it is as long as you're moving. And so that's that's uh, a part of fitness. Diet, I mean, again, you don't have to be on a diet. You just have to eat a certain way and you have to know 
what affects your system and, and what your metabolism is and those kinds of things. And a lot of people don't realize that 3,500 calories equals one pound. So when you gain a pound, it's because you've overeaten 3,500 calories you didn't need. Great to be talking about the day before Thanksgiving. But, I mean, uh, it's true. And if you lose a pound, that means you've burnt up 3,500 calories that you did need. So um, being fit and fabulous has a lot to do with feeling alive. And then I think one of the other major ones is um, really what I call planning your day. And the reason I think that's so important to talk about with boomers is because um, a lot of people, when they stop working, uh, they they lose uh, a pattern, they lose um, a system. And so I'm sure you've heard, Pete, a lot on, on the show, people say, I don't know, I used to get everything done, now I get nothing done. It's yeah. because they had a routine. And so if you don't have a plan for your day, it's not going to happen. So it doesn't matter if all of it is volunteer or some of it is family or some of it is just relaxing, or whatever it is, but you really need to have a plan for your day. And if you don't have a plan for your day, it isn't going to happen. So those are, are three of the secrets. Now, like people will say, well, I don't have time for this, or I don't have time for that. Well, they have time for whatever it is that they want to do or what's important to them. But again, they have to plan for it, and it's got to be scheduled into their day. So those are three of the nine. Well, there's a that reminds me of something that has been around, and I've seen it on on placards or little cards you can put up. And one of is uh, plan your work and work your plan. Exactly, exactly right. Because you know, if you don't have a plan, it's just not going to happen. And well, and you know that goes back to what we talked about earlier when you said plan your your work and work your plan. Well, working your plan is taking action. It's implementation. So I can think about all the things I'm going to do for the day or I actually do the things that I said I'm going to do in the day. And that's what makes a big difference. Well, I brought this up when I had talked to that uh, gentleman, Mr. Burroughs, on, uh, uh, I think it was Jeffrey Burroughs, on on the show a a week or two ago. And uh, I said, I I hope you don't take this wrong, uh, but it's not intended to be sarcastic, I said, but... But it's been said that the road to hell is paved with good intentions, <laughs> and and he said he says you're absolutely right. He says it is paved with good intentions, and you will go to hell if you don't, so to speak. You know if uh, if you don't uh, if if you don't uh, work on your intentions, if you don't take action on your intentions. But just the fact that you're sitting around intending is not going to be enough. Exactly you have, you have right. That That's action. true. So in that respect, the word road to hell is paved with good intentions <laughs> if you don't do anything about them. And that's all about, I mean, that's just the way it is in life, isn't it? I mean, it is. It actually if, is. If you don't do something about it. So if somebody says, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm saying, yeah, but that's fine. What are you going to do? Going to is one thing, but do is another. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that that's a message that more people have. And it's really simple. And it reminds me of, because I've never read the book, but I've read, I've heard things that were in the book. Everything I found out about life, I learned in kindergarten, uh, and, and it's just some very basic, basic things about living a good life, living a, a, a well-rounded life, and so on and so forth. And when you stop to think about it, uh, it's kind of like saying that I have said many times: the older I get, the smarter my parents were. That's right. That's uh, right. 
You know, you know, it's it's been in front of every one of us all of our lives for the most part. I mean, there's other people that haven't had the, the benefit of of parental rearing and so on and so forth, but there's generally been somebody that has given them the information. Whether or not they've taken it in is another issue, and there's all kinds of sociological implications on that. But and I'm not trying to get involved in that type of situation, but it, it really is the case I think where uh, we've all been presented. We know what's right and wrong. We do. Oh, yeah, and, you know, you brought up something uh, that I think is very important, though, and that is um, we all have choices, and some of us have had better situations than others, but there comes a time where everybody knows the difference between right and wrong, and you have choices, and the choices that you make in life are the ones that are going to determine what your future is going to be like. And do we make mistakes? I would think we do. We're not perfect, but we also must learn. From them, so I think it's it's very important that people realize they can say all they want about being raised by horrible parents or being brought up in in absolutely destitute and, and horrible conditions, but then they can make a choice and uh, then they determine where they go from there, and that's I think a key point to what keeps some people back and what propels other people forward. Because I've had the opportunity to interview. Um, several people who were either orphans or uh, foster children or people like that that have achieved unbelievable success. And when I say success, it doesn't mean just financial success. I mean success in life, success in living, success in uh, what they do for other people. And when I've talked to them and I've interviewed them, the thing that seems to come out more than anything else is their own personal drive. That is the one thing they have in common. And it doesn't make a damn bit of difference, pardon my Spanish, it doesn't make a daggone bit of difference about who the president is, who the Congress is, who <laughs> your local government officials are. It doesn't make a daggone bit of difference. Because guess what? If you want to do it, you can do it. Absolutely. I always get a kick out of the people that are moving out of the United States when so-and-so is elected, you know, depending on whoever it is. And, mm. you know, they're just going to move to another place that's the same way. Yeah, well, let me buy you a ticket. Um <laughs> One way, uh, and, that, and this talk about when you mentioned success, it also there's so many people that I've that I know or have known, and and one of them is a gentleman that has a show on uh, on our little network here uh, once a month, and he's written a book. And the name of his book, Success or Failure, the Choice is Yours. Correct. And, and it, it's absolutely right. And. Um, uh, and here again, he's all about a plan. He's all about a business plan and uh, a marketing plan, and plan your work and work your plan. Success or failure, the choice is yours. And when you, and when you're trying to look, when you're trying to figure out what your problem is and, and and why it is that you're not being successful, look in the mirror. The person looking back is probably the cause. <laughs> uh, and and it's and it's Tom is just big on this stuff. Tom is a serial entrepreneur. Uh, he's been in real estate. He's been in development. He's uh, he owns a he owns a country club here in Sun City, uh, and he is probably in his. Uh, I'm going to say he's in his uh, mid to late 70s, and he goes on the iron butt ride across the country every year on his motorcycle. Wow! Uh, <laughs> he just hiked the Grand Canyon for crying out loud. I would not even take a helicopter to the bottom of the Grand Canyon, <laughs> and, and he hiked he hiked down and back. Uh, he's an amazing guy, and uh, but he's very strong-willed, very uh, very strong-intentioned, and he works on making sure that his tensions happen. 
and exactly, and, and that's exactly what it is. Well, I, uh, Gail, I'm looking at the clock on the wall here, and as they say in the country, we're down to the short rows. Uh, so well, I'd gonna, like to invite your your listeners to go to my website, which is well. That's just what I wanted to do. I yeah, wanted to say that I wanted to say that this is your opportunity for what we call your shameless self promotion. And well, I'm sure that, and I'm sure there's nothing shameless about it when you do it. So tell us <laughs> all about all about how we can uh, get hold of you. Well, if, if anybody wants to get my newsletter, which is free, it comes every Monday. Uh, they can go to spunkyoldbroad.com. And they can subscribe right there on the right-hand side. There's a place to subscribe, and I would love to have them. If anybody wants to send an email to me, uh, if they have a particular question, it's gale, G-A-Y-L-E, at gailcarson.com. And if anybody's interested, I have lots of different books and e-books and CDs, and I've got some workout DVDs, and I've just got a whole bunch of, of different things, including my program on the social you, which you mentioned. I've got one on the healthy you which is all about diet and nutrition, where I interview experts in the field. And then, of course, the new program, Healthy, Wealthy, and Fabulous, The Nine Secrets to Living Regret-Free and Feeling Alive at Any Age. So if your listeners do want to email me um, and mention your show, uh, I would be glad to give them a discount and uh, be glad to help them in any way I can. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I, I, this has been a very enjoyable hour of conversation with you, and uh, I'm, I'm sure at some point we may just well have to do this again. Well, I'm open to it any time. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you very much. Uh, very best to you and yours, and enjoy Thanksgiving tomorrow, and uh, thanks for being a spunky old broad. <laughs> thank you for having me. Okay, you know, take care now. Bye. Bye-bye. And that was uh, a lot of fun conversation with Ms. Gail Carson, uh, SOB, Spunky Old Broad. Her website, SpunkyOldBroad.com. She really has got it together, I tell you. And uh, she's a lot of fun to talk to, and she's uh, on top of things. I won't tell you how old she is, but uh, whatever age she's at, it doesn't really matter because she's got her act together. There's no doubt about it. I want to thank everybody for listening today. Uh, if you're interested in finding out more about uh, Gail Carson, again, it's spunkyoldbroad.com. I love saying that. And uh, we hope you have a great Thanksgiving tomorrow. Best of luck. We will not be on – oh, I'm sorry. We will be on the air at 11 o'clock tomorrow, Arizona time, with uh, a show at that. And then we're going to be off to, to celebrate our Thanksgiving. But uh, if uh, we don't listen – if you don't listen to us tomorrow, you don't hear from us, I hope you have a great Thanksgiving. Thank you very much for being with us today, everybody. Talk to you again soon. Take care. You've been listening to the Boom and Debate Show, where we bring interesting conversation to the world. Be sure to follow us on Twitter where we tweet as Boomer and Babe and on Facebook as Pete Peters 47. As always, you can friend us on Blog Talk Radio or sign up for our newsletter at boomerandthebabe.com. Email us at host at boomerandthebabe.com with any of your comments. Remember, at 50, you're just getting started. 